Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Anal Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Starr, and today I wanted to talk a little bit about the artist Frank Ocean. Now, I haven't had a chance myself personally to deep dive into the evolution of Frank Ocean. I mean, we all know that he started off with Odd Future with Tyler the Creator. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first time that I heard Tyler the Creator was the first time that I heard Frank Ocean. Um, I was listening to She. And um, I was I was confused because I thought it was three different people speaking on the track at one time. And I was like, okay, so you got one person who comes in rapping. Cool. It's a nice little verse. And then you have another person who comes in singing. Okay, that's cool. Um... And then you got Tyler Creator who comes in rapping separately. So I think, okay, this is three people on the song. No, the person who was rapping in the beginning and the person who was singing in the middle is the same person. But they sounded, he made himself sound like two completely different people in a matter of minutes. And I just thought that that was amazing. I was like, wow, this guy is, is great. And I remember seeing a video of um, Snoop Dogg listening to that song for the first time. And he was like, man, I love dudes. He was like, oh, that's the dude who was doing the interview. I was like, oh, that's Tyler, the creator. But I'm thinking uh, the person who he was talking about that he liked in the beginning, that's Frank Ocean. You know, uh, so people, when people think about Frank Ocean, they think of this like indie rock kind of alternative hip hop rapper, singer. You know, his, his music and his lyrics are very like complex and it's kind of groovy. And his vibe is just like, you know, this weird aesthetic of... I don't know what you want to call like a preppy type of something mixed with, you know, this, this punk rock alternative, you know, and, and it's not extreme. He's not with the septum piercings and earrings and, you know, dark colored suits with a light backdrop or whatever, light accents, but he's more of a, you know, for example, his performance at the Grammys a couple of years ago, he did Forrest Gump. He had this Beamer bright orange suit and he was on a projector screen. His legs were running, but his body was staying still. And so many people thought that that was weird. And the whole channel orange era is a very alternative look. And so many people went gaga over channel orange. And then the nigga just disappeared for like half a decade or however long he was gone for he was gone for a long time after Channel Orange was released, but it was also probably one of his best pieces of work. Um, and people really acknowledged Frank Ocean as a great musician, you know? His lyrics really, like, spoke to people on a different level. It's, it's that stereotypical cliche that people want to use when they're identifying, like, their frequencies or their auras, you know? It's... It's people who put themselves in that mindset of, oh well, I'm I'm entombed myself spiritually, and you're and you're fucking with my frequencies, and I can't get with your vibes. You're way off, and it's just like half of y'all don't know what y'all talking about, and the other half are using it out of context. So understand what it is you're trying to say about yourself first, and then identify who you are in that sense, because. It's not for everybody. And you can't just ride away because your favorite artist is making music about 
And 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 the crazy thing about it is, is Frank Ocean is the type of artist who is in tune with himself. He is very much aware who he is and what he's here to do. He doesn't need anybody telling him, you know, about himself. He already knows that. He's very, very proud of who he is. But people will use Frank Ocean as, like, leverage to identify themselves. So people say, oh, well, you listen to Frank Ocean, you must be into all of this weird stuff. Because he's associated with Tyler, the Creator, and Tyler, the Creator is a pretty weird guy in himself. But, like Frank Ocean, Tyler, the Creator is very aware of who he is. He isn't ashamed of who he is, and he doesn't hide who he is. He's very out in the open weirdo, and so is Frank Ocean. But Frank Ocean is more of a, like a softer version of Tyler, the Creator. He's just as weird, but he isn't as aggressive or, you know, straightforward as Tyler, the Creator is. Tyler, the Creator is very much so like this really broody type of vocalist. And it has a lot to do with the fact that his voice sounds, you know, really scratchy and versus Frank Ocean is very, you know, soft, sweet, kind of like um, a PR person, someone who speaks on the radio, um, you know, those public access shows, those really, really soft-spoken, quiet type. That's the voice, the tone of Frank Ocean versus how the creator is like a, like an angry, you know, advertisement on Facebook or something like that. But I do have a song here from the Channel Orange album, which is probably one of my favorite songs from the album. It features Earl Sweatshirt, who I've spoken about before in my Tyler Creator Evolutionary episode that I've done with my brother. Um, And this song is Super Rich Kids. Now, when I first listened to Channel Orange, I was like, this is kind of like, um, I get why it's called Channel Orange, because even the snippets in between the very, you know, brief couple of seconds from one song to the other, it's, well, first off, I'm getting ahead of myself. The beginning of the song, the intro of the song is called Start, and it sounds like an old PlayStation console turning on and booting up, and then it immediately goes into, like, a video game. So... The theme of the album, and this is my opinion, is just like a, a TV channel or your or your television set, but like from the 90s. So you turn it on, you have that static, that fuzzy ringing as your TV starts to boot. It's very nostalgic, that sound. And then, of course, the original PlayStation console. I'm talking like PlayStation 1. Um, that noise when that PlayStation comes on and then the game that starts... And then the snippets in between every other song are like TV commercials. Um, so there's a song on there called Fertilizer. And it's like a jingle for a fertilizer commercial. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but that's what it is. And then there's another snippet of a woman talking to her child about, you know, being better with money and being money smart and not just spending your money on things that you want, but rather things that you need. And it's very much that talk that your parents give you when they're struggling. They don't want you as the child to know, they don't want you as the child to know that they, as the parent, are struggling financially. So instead of just coming right out and saying, you know, I don't have the money to help you do this, they want to lecture you about 
why they can't do it rather than just saying I can't do it. And I feel like that's, I'm not going to say that's like a black people thing, but that's definitely something that comes up in conversation. We have like a middle class family who the children want to participate with the other children in the community or the neighborhood or their school or whatever, and they can't financially for financial reasons. But that's neither here nor there. So I today I specifically want to focus on the song Super Rich Kids featuring Earl Sweatshirt. Like I said, it's one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song from the album. Um, and and I didn't really this was before I was into analytics, before my mind turned on that switch to analyze every single thing that I see throughout my life. And maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's an issue. Maybe I have some type of thing that I don't want to admit to, but it's a switch that just came on one day and I was able to, you know, focus it in different, you know, medias and different perspectives. I was able to, to turn it on and off, but lately it's just been on and I can't turn it off. But I'm also not even upset about that because I'm using it to my advantage. I'm seeing things from so many different perspectives and I'm looking deeper into everything and anything that, you know, it makes my perception of the world broader because I can see things in a bit more observant way. And it also, you know, helps as like a, you know, if you're trying to keep your guard up and look out because there are crazy people out here who want to catch you loafing. And if you're, if you're observant enough, you can peep it before it happens and then you can skedaddle. But I digress. So the intro or the chorus of the song is him speaking. Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. Too many bowls of that green, no lucky charms. The maids come around too much. Parents ain't around enough. Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. You know, rich people, you know how rich people are. They get, they get shit just because it's X amount of money. That's a ridiculous ass number. Like they'll get a $900, bottle of wine just because it's a $900, $1,000 bottle of wine. But they can't even tell you where it's from. They're not, you know, wine tasters. They don't have the, the taste buds to, to comprehend the complexities that come with very expensive wines. And, I, and I'm a wine drinker, but I'm also a very simplistic person. So I'm cool with a regular, regular $10, 13 bottle, $13 bottle, $15 bottle. I'm not swimming in money like that. So I'm cool with what I can get. And what I can get is what I like. Now, you're a super rich kid. You ain't supposed to be drinking. But you smuggled a couple of bottles out of your parents' wine cabinet because you know that they're not going to be there to stop you. And even if they were, they probably wouldn't care anyway. So um, too many bowls of that green or looky charms. Not only are you getting drunk on wine that you can't even say the name of, but you're getting high from some weed that you probably overpaid for because, again, you just got money like that. And no one, who's going to stop you? The maids come around too much. The parents ain't around enough. Your guardians, the people who are actually looking over you, are the people who work for your parents, and they're not obligated to do anything. They're just there out of convenience. But in some ways, they probably pity you. Because here you are in this beautiful, gorgeous, gigantic house, 
all the money you can think of. You have, you're not materialistic per se, but you definitely have expensive taste. You have the best clothes, the best shoes, the best jewelry, accessories. You probably drive around in half a million dollar cars and go to exclusively like private, private schools, like the ones who serve you Fiji and give you a full course meal for your lunch, like garden salad, steak, and and whatever the fuck rich people eat. I don't know, caviar maybe. Um, but you're lonely and you're a little miserable. Like when they say money can't buy happiness, you can have all of the money in the world, the nicest house, the nicest cars, the nicest clothes, but you still feel like you're missing something. Like something in your life just isn't well put together. You're lonely emotionally, mentally. You're just sad all the time. So you try to cloud that with everything you can buy and everything you can get into, whether it be drugs and alcohol or whatever else, and you just still feel empty. So those people probably pity you. And you can't talk to your parents about it because your parents are never there. And that probably makes the pity even more... So for the maids or whoever the housekeepers are, because they see you, they see you all the time, every day, and they'll befriend you just because they feel sorry for you. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's keeping them there is a paycheck. And the second they don't get it, they're gone. And then what are you going to do? Too many joy rides and daddy's Jaguar, too many white lies and white lines, super rich kids with nothing but loose ends. Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. So you've gotten the habit of stealing wine out of your parents' winery. And you're, you're, you're overpaid for blunts from the local drug dealers in the urban community. And I'm speaking from the perspective of a snobby, uptight, rich person. Um, you overpay for weed. You steal wine. You, you do coke. You you steal your parents' car because they're not there to tell you not to do it. And even if they were there, you, you wouldn't care. Because I feel like kids who have this much money and this much time on their hands have zero respect for their parents. Their parents toss them $100,000 every other month, say, have at it, whatever. Whenever they want more, they just ask for more and they get it. Their parents are emotionally neglectful and their children resent them because of this. So even if your parents were around, you wouldn't listen to them. They're not going to try to discipline you. They're not going to try to stop you. And your lifestyle is going to be wild, chaotic, uncontrollable, and probably very, very dangerous. Super rich kids with nothing but loose ends. Your life is dispensable. There's no one in it who is solidified or stable enough for you to feel comfortable or safe and Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. Everyone who's around you, who claims to be there for you, they really only with you because you got money. You know this, but you're so lonely and so miserable and so depressed that you really don't care. And I'm not saying none of this to have pity or to feel sorry, have sympathy for rich people, because at the end of the day, you're a rich person. You can really go off the grid, start over, and become a better version of yourself if you want it to. Most rich people are too materialistic and they can't walk away from this lavish lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to. But at the same time, they're so depressed 
all the time. Because people only want money from them. People only want, you know, luxury items from them. People only want the the status of being so-and-so's friend or associate. So the fake friends, that's like everybody that you know in your life. Nobody in your life is really riding for you like you want them to. And that's that's sad, but you're rich. So it's kind of hard to feel. And I know that that's, that's backwards. You 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 don't feel sorry for rich people, but then you see how their life is just chaotic all the time. And it's kind of hard to not feel bad for them, but I I don't. Not if they're smart. If they're smart and they can maneuver. If you're rich and you're miserable, then that's kind of on you for not trying cuz you have the means to make your life better. You can associate with other rich people who don't want your money, who don't need your status to, to make themselves feel more relevant, and who could probably teach you a thing or two about being happy. You could find yourself an actual significant other, life partner to make your life a little bit better. But you're not doing that. You're, you're spending your time dealing with people who probably hate you and... The second that you die, they're just going to go find another person to leech off of. But that's neither here nor there. Start my day up on the roof. There's nothing like this type of view. Point the clicker at the tube. I prefer expensive news. So the way that I see this playing out is you got the beautiful, you know, gigantic 16-bed mansion, basically a castle in, like, California, some shit, because that's where they're all from. They're all from California. Um, your room is probably at the tippity top of the house and you have like a pane glass ceiling so you can see outside from inside of your house. Kind of like, hey, Arnold's bedroom, but like 50 times bigger, right? There's nothing like this type of view. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, you know, like get up, cut the TV on. And all I want to hear about is like what other rich people like me are doing. I don't care about the the struggles of the poor. I just want to know what my fellow rich people are up to today. New car, new girl, new ice, new glass, new watch, good times, babe. It's good times. So, brand new car. Got a, a filly from last night. I have no idea who she is or what her name is, but, you know, we in there. Got some new jewelry. Um, got some, you know, new clothes, new accessories, everything on me is brand spanking new. I start the day off just like this. I don't wear nothing more than once. Everything is fresh out the box, and I'm finna start my day, get my day started. She watched my back through times a day. This shower head feels so amazing. I have a theory on this particular line right here, and I didn't think about it until, like I said, after my analytical switch was turned on, she washed my back three times a day. That sounds like some prince of a foreign country shit where you don't wash yourself. You don't bathe yourself. You have someone do it for you. The shower head feels so amazing. I feel like that's a double entendre. So the shower head, as you all know, the shower, that opening where the water comes out is called the shower head. If you're a rich person, you got like the ones that are connected to the ceiling that fall straight down like a waterfall or a rainstorm or whatever or you got the ones that come out the walls or some shit 
But I also think that it's a play on words for getting oral sex in the shower. So shower head feels so amazing. You're in the shower while somebody's sucking you off and you're also taking a shower simultaneously. So that's my that's my thing. That that's what I think. It's a double entendre for shower head and shower head, but and then it, and then it, it it feeds into itself. We'll both be high. The help don't stare. They just walk by. They must don't care. A million one, a million two, a hundred more will never do. So if you if, if, and that further proves what I'm confirming is is what it is. So the help, we both be high. The help don't stare. They just walk by. They must don't care. Again, they're only there because they're getting a paycheck. They could give. Two fucks about what you do. I mean, they're gonna talk shit amongst themselves. They're gonna they're gonna talk shit to each other about you, of course. Cause who doesn't talk shit about their bosses? I don't know a single person who doesn't talk shit. Whether it's good shit or bad shit, you're talking shit about your boss. So they're definitely talking about you, but they're not gonna say it to your face because you're writing their paychecks at the end of the day. A million one, a million two, a hundred more will never do. I have all of the money in the world, but I still feel lonely. I have this beautiful girl in my shower right now sucking me off, and I still feel lonely. I don't feel complete. I don't feel like I'm put together. I'm just missing a whole bunch of pieces, and I'm just miserable. And that's the harsh reality of being a rich person and the countryside. So the chorus repeats again. Post-chorus, real love. I'm searching for real love. And I feel like, okay. And that can further adds to my theory about this song. I'm searching for real love. I'm not just saying that because it sounds good. I'm saying it because I'm lonely. I'm miserable. This is depressing. I'm tired of being here. I'm trying to settle down with somebody who's really going to try to settle down with me. And I don't have that period. It doesn't exist. They're not there. I don't know. And I can't do anything about it. And that sucks. All the money in the world can't fill this gap. So what am I supposed to do with myself? Just sit here and look in the mirror and, and flaunt all my jewelry to myself. Like that's not going to help me feel better. Here is, um, Earl sweatshirts verse. Close your eyes for what you can't imagine. We are the Zanny Nashin, Caddy Smashin, Bratty Ass, He Mad He Snatched, His Daddy's Jag, and use that shit for batting practice. Now, before I analyze that, uh, I need to recap on the Tyler Creator evolutionary episode. My brother and I spoke extensively about the flow of Earl Sweatshirt and how he manages to put a lot of homophones together, which homophones, I want to be clear, homophones are words that sound the same, almost exactly, um, but they have two different meanings. That's a traditional definition. Two words that sound exactly the same, they may not be spelt the same, and they don't mean the same thing. But in this case, the homophones that he's using are more of just like singular, like syllables. So... Zanny gnashing, caddy smashing, bratty ass. He mad, he snatched his daddy's jag and used that shit for batting practice. All of those words have a couple of syllables that sound identical. So the way that he speaks it, it kind of 
you know, flutters into itself. And if you're not paying attention, or if you're not listening, it'll go over your head because it just sounds like he's just saying the same sound over and over and over again. Um, but to analyze this, these couple of lines, we are the Zanny gnashing, caddy smashing, bratty ass. He's mad. He snatched his daddy's jag and used that shit for batting practice. So we are the type of super rich kids who throw temper tantrums at 17 years old when we don't get our way. We have a serious, serious, serious drug problem. And because of this serious, serious drug problem, we are often finding ourselves in situations where the worst thing is like upon us. And we will stop at nothing to get what we want. And what we want is, like, the worst thing in the world. Like, we want to see people feel some type of way. We want people to hurt just as bad as we are. So just out of spite, out of pure just, you know, whatever, I'm going to take my father's car and crash it on purpose because I know he can just buy another one. I'm going to take the golf course that we used to get around the, um, the garden or whatever the fuck rich people have. I'm going to you know, just intentionally take a baseball bat and just go smashing up stuff, just breaking whatever I can get my hands on, just because I know it can be replaced. I'm taking my frustration, anger, loneliness, depression out on all of these materialistic things just to prove a point. I know that they can be replaced. I know that my dad is going to go out and get another car today, and I'm probably going to keep doing it just because I know I can get away with it. And that's terrible. People like this, people like this in the world really exist. There are really guys out here and girls who just deliberately do things because they feel like there are no consequences to their actions. They can get away with it. My daddy has money. My mommy has money. They're going to bail me out of jail. They're going to replace all of these cars. They're going to fix all of these busted up buildings that I may smash into. It doesn't matter. For someone like that, money is like effortless it's endless it's it's just so dispensable that it doesn't even matter you could sit and burn a hundred million dollars right then and there and not think twice about it and that's basically what you're doing you're burning it you're throwing it away you're getting rid of it somehow and you just know it's gonna come back you may not know how but you know that it will um adam and adamant and he thrashing i couldn't pronounce that word i'm sorry Adamant and he's thrashing. Person she, Lord, I am stuttering. Adamant and he thrashing. Person purchasing crappy grams with half the hand of cash in handed. That's a that's a tongue twister. <laughs> that's a tongue twister. Hold up. Purchasing crappy grams with half the hand of cash in handed. Panic and patch me up. Patty done latchkeyed us. Toying with raggy ends and mammy done had enough. Ooh, I like that. Um, <laughs> okay, hold on, let me go back. Adam and Annie thrashing, purchasing crappy grams with half the hand of cash you handed. Just like I said at first, you are overpaying. Okay, and I'm not going to put nobody on blast, and I'm definitely not trying to tell on myself, but I know what niggas sell weed for. I know that the, the stinkier it smells, the better quality it is. So if you got some shit that smells like shit, 
not like literal shit, but like it just smells really, really bad, then you're going to sell it for like top dollar, $15, $20 a gram. One gram will get you about a blunt, maybe a blunt and a half. If you got some bullshit, a nigga will call you out on it immediately. Oh, this is some bullshit. And they know it. And you probably sell a bullshit gram for $10. It used to be five, but now it's 10 So you're a snobby, materialistic, rich kid living in like Beverly Hills. You drive all the way at Compton and you're whatever the fuck. And they're going to charge you like $50 for some bullshit. And you're going to give it to them because you don't care. So you go out of your way to buy shitty weed just because you have the extra money to do so. And nobody cares. Panic and patched me up. Patty done latchkeyed us. Toying with raggy ends and Mammy done had enough. The Mammy done had enough. That is like, first of all, the Mammy is uh, is a racist term. It's not a racist term, but it is used uh, like in old racist like movies and TV shows. The Mammy was like the big black woman who took care of all of the rich white kids in the house while the parents were, you know, working or having affairs or doing cocaine or whatever rich parents were doing in the 19, whatever the fucks. Um, so to use that term now to describe what the housekeepers and the maids, you know, it's, it's, it's the exact same thing. The parents are never there. Their children are running rampant, running wild, and there isn't anybody to, to, to maintain that stability. So they feel out of control. And the housekeepers, it's not the housekeeper's job to raise these children, but some housekeepers, like primary maids or butlers, you know, they're in charge of, like, keeping them out of trouble. So to use that line, Mammy done had enough, you bullshitting. You need to chill out. You need to stop. You need to come back in. You need to sit down, drink some water, eat some vegetables, and take a nap. Like, you're out of pocket. For real, you are out of pocket. Um, and then the last two lines of the verse is brash as fuck, breaching all these aqueducts. Don't believe us. Treat us like we can't erupt. Treat us like we can't erupt. The parents, and it all goes back to the parents. They're so clueless. They're so just nonchalant. Oh, whatever, I don't care. You can do this and do that and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter to them. They don't care about their children. They just know that they got a lot of money and they got to use that money to keep their kids out of trouble. And it doesn't matter excuse me, what the kids are doing anymore. So treat us like we can't erupt. You're going to just keep treating. You're going to keep neglecting us. We're going to keep acting out. You're going to keep bailing us out and paying for our damages. And this is a never ending cycle of loneliness, depression, not necessarily anxiety, because you're not put in any kind of situations where you'll feel like panicky, but it's the it's the fact that I have no one here when I really need somebody here. And I don't I can't even rely on my parents to to be here for me, you know, but I can rely on them to bail me out whenever I need them to. So the the last verse is back on Frank Ocean. We end our day up on the roof. I say I'll jump, I'll never do. But when I'm drunk, I act a fool, talking about 
Do they sew wings on tailored suits? So you got your fake ass friends at your house. Y'all probably just got out of school or whatever. You're drunk. You're high. You're on the tippity top of this enormous ass house. And you're like, look, man, I'm going to jump off. I'm going to fly off. Because you're drunk and you're high and you're 17 and you're stupid. So you do stupid 17-year-old shit. But, and your friends aren't going to stop you because they're just as drunk and high as you are. And all of you are depressed. <laughs> all of you are so depressed that you don't even realize you're serious. Like, you're, you contemplated suicide for a while, but you're using it as a joke now to not seem so serious. Do they sew wings on tailored suits? Could I buy me some wings and just fly the fuck off of the, the, the top of the house? Could I do that? Is that a thing? Do I have enough money to do that? I'm on that ledge. She grabs my arm. She slaps my hand. It's good times. So the only person who got enough common sense to be like, hey, stop, is probably one of the workers of the house. One of the ones specifically in charge for keeping you out of trouble. She sees you lollygagging. She tries to grab you, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Try to talk some sense into you, but you're just so out of it that you don't even, it doesn't even register in your head, like what's going on and what's about to happen. Sleeve rips off. I slip, I fall. The market's down like 60 stories and some don't end the way they should. My silver spoon has fed me good. A million one, a million cash. Close, close my eyes. I feel the crash. Sleeve rips off. I slip, I fall. So that tailor-made suit wasn't even the best quality suit because as she's trying to grab you and pull you back, it tears and your sleeve rips off of your tailor-made jacket and you slip off of the roof and you fall plummeting 60 stories. The market's down like 60 stories. So you're high as fuck up. And you're falling to your death. You can't do shit about it. 60 stories. Stories feeds into the next line. And some don't end the way they should. This is a story that's going to end tragically. End, you know, in devastation and heartbreak. And, you know, this pitiful mourning loss of a very, like, unconscious or subconsciously drowning teenager who was so sunk with depression and loneliness that they accidentally killed themselves by slipping off of the roof of their house. My silver spoon has fed me good. A million one, a million cash. Close my eyes, I feel the crash. The last couple of thoughts that are going on through my head are, I've lived a very luxurious life. I've got anything and everything that I wanted whenever I asked for it. All I had to do was maybe beg. I didn't even have to beg. I could just scream Give me this, and I got it. No hesitation, no question. All the money in the world, though, could not help me feel better. Nothing that was given to me, nothing that I bought, nothing that I took, nothing that was taken for granted ever made me feel like a better person. It never made me feel complete. I still felt lonely, miserable, sad, pathetic. And the only thing left to do is just embrace death full on, face first. 
And then maybe now that I'm embracing this death, that I'll feel better because I don't have to think about how lonely I am anymore. And then the song ends with the chorus repeating one more time. Too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce. Too many bowls of that green, no lucky charms. The maids come around too much. Parents ain't around enough. Too many joyrides and daddy's jaguar. Too many white lies and white lines. Super rich kids with nothing but loose ends. Super rich kids with nothing but fake friends. Now, like I said, this is probably my favorite song from the Channel Orange album. And the Channel Orange era, again, was so... It peaked for alternative music. And when I say alternative, I mean, in its definition, alternative is different. It's a different route, different direction. You're hearing things for the first time that you've never heard. And it is mind-blowing. When you really think about what he was trying to say and how he ended up saying it, it's, it shows true like artistry and it makes it easy to understand why so many people fell in love with Frank Ocean and what he was able to do and why he was so good at what he did and everything about it was just like, you know, spot on for this new wave of music that people were really trying to get into and it's just like, damn, I've never heard anything like this before. This is pretty damn amazing. So, and it also explains why it was such a big deal that Frank Ocean kind of disappeared for as long as he did. And then he came back with two albums back-to-back, a visual, DVD, you know, collection thing. He put out so much art in such a short period of time. And again, he disappeared. And a lot of people make jokes about it, but I think when it comes to artistry, the Frank Ocean is definitely doing a lot of things correctly. So that wraps up today. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate the time and the patience, and I will see you again soon.